This is the Starting Good Podcast. I'm Alex Gramling. Uh, many projects are orphanages, medical clinics, community centers. Um, we designed one fabulous project this year, which is a think tank hothouse project in Cameroon, where the, the world's greatest minds can get together in Africa to try and make Africa develop even quicker. So, I mean, we get a whole spectrum of projects. Countless charities raise money to build schools and clinics and other vitally needed buildings in impoverished countries across the world. What these organizations often lack, however, are the basic design and construction skills required to make their dreams a reality. That's where Daniel Weens comes into the picture. His nonprofit, Journeyman International, provides low-cost architecture and building services to charitable organizations that want to build abroad. These humanitarian design services, as he calls them, run the gamut from site surveys and feasibility studies to complete project blueprints and on-site construction management. Most of the work is done by engineering and architecture students who volunteer their time and services and who end up spending months overseeing projects from beginning to end. I asked Daniel to tell me more about the mission of his organization. We provide architecture, engineering, and project management on humanitarian projects around the world. Um, in addition to doing that, we provide it for a very, very low fee. Uh, we're able to do this by utilizing university talent, so partnering with uh, architecture, construction management, engineering programs at universities, and pairing those students up with real-world projects. So give us an example. What would uh, one of these projects be, or what are you working on currently? So we just finished four designs this year with Cal Poly architecture students. Um, they vary across the map of humanitarian work, but uh, many projects are orphanages, medical clinics, community centers. Um, we designed one fabulous project this year, which is a think tank hothouse project in Cameroon, where the the world's greatest minds can get together in Africa to try and make Africa develop even quicker. Um, so, I mean, we get a whole spectrum of projects. And where did this idea come from? Talk about the genesis of Journeyman International. Sure, it's, it's kind of a unique story because we really just kind of stumbled upon the idea. Um, so I graduated with a construction management degree at Cal Poly San Luis Obispo. And at Cal Poly, the model there is this learn-by-doing concept, and as a result, they do a lot of senior projects. So when I was in construction management, um, I wanted to choose a, a senior project that had some sort of an impact on the world. So I partnered with an architecture student, and we spent a year developing, designing, uh, conceptualizing a dental clinic project for an organization down in Central America. And after graduation, I moved down to Belize, and we actually constructed the facility. And just kind of after finishing that project, sitting around thinking, you know, that was really neat. It was effective. We did a great job. Um, and there's got to be other students who would love to do something like this. So that was the birth of Journeyman International. We started a 501c3 nonprofit. And over the past five years, have basically acted as this middleman that partners quality, talented undergrad students uh, with real-world projects. Talk about your first year and getting the organization 
off the ground. How did you find your initial projects and what were some of your challenges in the beginning? Great question. I mean, we basically started from the beginning, had no idea what we were doing. You know, one of the first obstacles was starting a nonprofit, uh, which is a challenge. I mean, the federal government doesn't just hand out 501c3 status to anybody. You have to prove yourself uh, that you're worthy. So we actually decided to file our articles of of incorporation and attain our 501c3 status ourselves without hiring a lawyer which is a daunting process. It basically took an entire year of, you know, compiling all the proper documentation and getting approved. And so we were ecstatic when we got approved after the first try. Um, and then it's, it's it's this whole process of, okay, where are we going to find projects? You know, where are we going to find students? Um, and just kind of learning as you go. You know, hitting the phones, calling missions organizations, calling you know, world visions and calling Habitat for Humanity and going to the universities and trying to find the absolute best student designers um, to get them to come work on our projects. And um, it's definitely been a learning experience. And over the past five years, we've really kind of learned how to master that um, to get really good quality projects with good partners, um, how to get great designers, um, and how to pair them up with the right projects. Tell us what some uh, deliverables might be. What are your clients getting from your organization that helps them uh, complete a project? That's a great question. So the the ultimate goal here is to provide the client with what they need. Um, One of our mottos is is we don't change the world. We help other people change the world. So that takes on different roles depending on the project. Some clients may need – you know, full design work, full construction documents, which is basically blueprints uh, that can be presented to the city and be approved. Some um, organizations don't need that much work. They just need fundraising material. Um, so each project kind of varies. We sit down with our designer, we sit down with our client, and we assess, what do you need? Um, in many cases, I would say in most cases, they have some funding, they have some land, and they have a dream. But they have no idea where to go from there. And so we make it easy for them. We visit the site. Uh, we figure out what the process is for designing, getting approval in country, um, properly engineering it, um, and taking it to the next step. Are there challenges just working uh, from country to country? I imagine the regulations around construction are obviously different all over the world. Absolutely. So I work in the industry here in the United States. And that's where a lot of these students have been trained with internships and, and such. Um, one of the first things we tell them is basically take everything you have learned about the construction industry and you can throw it out the window. Because when you go to Cameroon, it's different than when you're in Ghana, which is different than when you're in Haiti. It's Everything changes. So you start over. You basically scrap it and you start over. And that's part of the fun. And that's one of the reasons it's so critical to visit the site early in design. We send all of our designers to their country in January, um, and you just start at ground zero. You meet with the local building officials, you meet with the city council, you meet with uh, you know your client, um, and you just start putting the pieces together on what is the process like for building something in you know remote Philippines. What are some of your uh, challenges that you've encountered? Uh, in the field, I imagine the logistics of finding building materials, uh, some of the topography that you may be working in, 
Uh, I'm sure you have uh, some stories about some some unique challenges you faced once you've arrived on site. Absolutely. Uh, a couple of examples that come to my mind. When I was down in Belize, we were building the dental clinic, and we had a large concrete pour scheduled for a Friday. And on Tuesday of that week, a large storm rolled through, and it knocked out all the bridges to southern Belize. As a result, there was no cement available in half of the country. And so we had teams scheduled to come visit, help with concrete pour. We were working with a, a team of Mayans who would ride their bikes in 20 miles to the job site. And we had to basically coordinate with everybody, hey, sorry, we can't do this pour. We, you know, we don't have any cement. Um, we also had an issue where you know, we wanted to buy roofing materials, and you can't just go down to the hardware store and buy everything. So we loaded up a school bus, and we drove six hours to the north of the country, where we were able to get the actual building materials that we were uh, wanting. Um, it, it's just you got challenge after challenge after challenge. That's part of the fun. But it's not like here in the United States where we have everything at you know, the snap of our finger. How much are you educating your clients about uh, the budget required for a construction project? As you described them, uh, they have a little money and they have a dream, but how sophisticated are they about what will truly be required and how much it will cost to complete some of the initiatives that they're uh, bringing to you? Yeah. Um, we always sit down with our clients at the beginning and, and, and basically make sure that they're being realistic about what they're trying to accomplish. Um, you know, the building costs in countries vary pretty drastically. So we study what is actual construction costs in that country, um, and then also we build it to a higher standard and a higher quality than most of these countries do. So that has added costs. Um, so we sit down and, and develop full, complete, accurate schedules and estimates with the clients. Um, also in these countries, it's pretty typical for them to basically start stacking more bricks as the money comes in. Um, we encourage them not necessarily to do that, but to actually build them in proper phases so that the facility is constructed properly. What is the vetting process like for your clients? Are there uh, organizations or clients that you choose not to work with for any number of reasons? Yes. Short answer is yes. Um, you know, you, you think about all of the potential humanitarian projects in the world, and you think there's just hundreds of thousands of them. Um, but by the time they go through our vetting process, it actually narrows it down pretty significantly. You know, we're looking for organizations that are respectable, reputable, communicate well, um, are willing to partner with our students. Uh, the project needs to align properly with kind of our requirements and our students' requirements. The organization needs to have some funding sources for the project. Um, basically, we're looking for really high-quality, ideal projects, and they exist, and they're out there, uh, but you kind of got to you know, wade through the weeds a bit to find them. Talk about this process of, of aligning and bringing in volunteer architects and students. How does that work? So the way our process works is we find a great project, we find a great student, we pair them together. They will spend nine months and over 1,500 hours developing you know, research, studying case studies, um, visiting the site, starting to put together schematic designs and then final designs, if the project at that point is truly ready to go to construction, the organization has land, has money, 
and they're ready to rock and roll. We have an in-house team of professionals, um, not students, but, but those who have actually been in the industry for a long period of time that volunteer their time and services. And so we go through the projects at that point, um, review them, critique them, change them, modify them, and actually create full sets of what we call construction documents, which are, you know, buildable blueprints. Um, and then at that point, we'll actually go to professionals in the country. So say we're working in Cameroon, we will take all of our documents, submit it to an architect in Cameroon, who will then review it again and submit it to the city for approval. And so there's several layers of quality control by the time you actually go into construction. How are you assessing and getting an understanding of the cultures and different countries that you're building in so that you're, you're building within the cultural norms of uh, the cities and towns that you're you're going into. That is one of the other critical reasons why we visit the country. I mean, you can research a country's culture and religion, and um, you know, but until you go visit the site, visit the people, you know, meet with the mothers and play soccer with the kids, and you know, have a beer with the city council. Uh, it's hard to really understand their culture, really understand what they're looking for uh, with architecture. You know, so many times we think, oh, we need to build this, you know, to look just like the rest of their buildings. Well, that may not be what they want. They may want their buildings to look more Western. You know, and it goes the other way around. We think we, you know, know how to design a good style for their country. And they may say, hey, no, we want it to fit more with our traditional model. Um, so you have to you have to become a student of it for a long period of time. Really study it, figure out what they like. Um, and then actually meet with them and ask them directly. Talk, talk about your name. Uh, I'm curious about that. Where did that come from? So I grew up working construction, swinging hammers and working on a concrete crew. And I remember my boss used to always say to me, he said, Daniel, if you keep this up, someday you may become a journeyman. And I remember thinking, well, what the heck is a journeyman? So I went and I looked it up. And a journeyman, by definition, is someone who has mastered a trade. And that's what we aim to become. We aim to become a powerful humanitarian force, um, a team that has truly mastered humanitarian architecture and construction. What do your students tell you after they've uh, completed their projects and, and your other volunteers? I would say that's one of the greatest joys, actually, for us, is seeing um, the impact it has on the students. Um, these students are working with a real client in a foreign country, you know, with a different language. Um, it's an incredible experience for them. Um, so just seeing how that we're able to give them that opportunity that their universities aren't necessarily able to give them. And then also seeing kind of the attitude shift. Um, you know, before they came into our program, a lot of times they wanted to design skyscrapers or they wanted to design multi-million dollar homes. And then they go through the program, and, and we ask them, what do you want to do now? And they say, you know, I want to get a job and make some money, but I want to at least spend, you know, a third of my year traveling around the world and doing humanitarian work. Um, you know, it, it just captured their hearts. They love it, and they want to keep doing it. And that's just so fun for us to see because I think of the potential down the road as we have, you know, hundreds of students who have gone through our program. Journeymen may be doing some great things with projects, but we may have a network of, you know, 500 or 1,000 students who are all doing their own humanitarian projects. 
And we can have a much greater impact than we even realize. You're building orphanages, you're building clinics, you're building schools. What are some of your greatest success stories in terms of real impact on the people and lives in the, in the countries where you work? Okay, great question. Um, you know, we were able to partner with a group of uh, brothers down in Mexico that were working with an orphanage in Mexico, and it was an orphanage that was very, very poorly run. And these brothers had this vision of basically building them a new facility, bringing in some new leadership, and turning a very poorly run orphanage into a wildly successful orphanage. They were noticing that the orphan kids were ashamed of where they were living. They were ashamed of being orphans. The vision here was to create a facility and a lifestyle for these kids to where they were actually bragging to their friends at school that they lived at such and such orphanage. Um, you know, that they got to have this awesome facility to live and grow up and have a great childhood instead of, you know, a very, very poor childhood. So we partnered with them. We found a piece of land. Um, it was a very, very beautiful but tricky piece of land and went through the whole process of, um, you know, chasing the debts that were tied to the land, getting the debts released, going through, you know, all the pre-construction things that we do. Um, and we've completed the orphanage down in Mexico. It's up and running. Um, the students have basketball courts and soccer fields, and all their friends want to come visit the orphanage and hang out with them. And it's the coolest place in town to hang out. So that's just kind of one of the fun stories of how we've had an impact. Talk about, uh, let's talk a little about your organization, uh, its future and its growth. You say you charge a fee for your projects, albeit a deeply discounted fee. Is that the primary way you fund your organization, or are you also actively fundraising uh, for the nonprofit? So we actively fundraise just like most nonprofits, you know, through friends and family and donations, doing the occasional fundraising event. You know, we at first we provided our service, which is basically the entire soft cost of a construction project, which typically varies between 20 and 30 percent of a construction project cost. Um, and for a while, we were providing that entire service for free. What we started to learn over a few few projects was that our clients needed, in order for us to acquire really good projects, our clients needed to have some skin in the game. So we started charging a fee. It's a, it's a minimal fee. And it's more than anything just to get the clients to have some skin in the game. It helps send our designers to the country. Um, but for the most part, we, how we operate and provide our services just through standard fundraising. And what are your goals for, for growing your organization and and, uh, and continuing on your mission? General International has a tremendous amount of potential, and that's one of the things that's so exciting is we have a business model where we're providing world-class architecture for very, very, very cheap, um, and we're utilizing these universities um, where, you know, the students are acquiring new skills, and we're able to utilize their talent. And we're working at two universities, and there's no reason we couldn't be at 30 universities or 50 universities. Um, and instead of designing, you know, 15 projects a year, be designing 150 or 250 projects a year. So the business model is um, ripe for scale. And so we're just preparing right now our model for taking this to the next, you know, top universities um, and seeing how much good we can actually do. Your clients 
must stay in touch with you uh, over the years? Uh, do you build relationships with them that are ongoing? Absolutely, and that's one of the greatest joys is, is relationships with the clients that are ongoing, relationships with the designers, relationships with the faculty, building this network of people that you enjoy working with, that you can tell stories with. You can go back and visit the orphanage and hang out with the kids. Um, you know, we can do ongoing projects with them. And then also having this network that we can utilize. Uh, for example, if we, you know, are doing, we have several projects in Uganda, and the network with our clients who know the city council, they know the local contractors. Uh, so being able to utilize our resources over there is wonderful. Um, and, yeah, like you mentioned, I mean, just getting to know these clients and working with them and helping them is, is a big part of the, the joy for us. Daniel, for people who want to help, maybe for people who want to uh, request help, uh, where should they go and what should they do? So check us out at journeymaninternational.org. So that's journeyman, M-A-N. And, um, you know, you can check out our videos and some of our stories. You can look at our past project designs. Uh, feel free to reach out to us. We are a small organization, so you're not going to, you know, get some um, computer, you know, when you call in. You can actually speak with us directly. Um we are actually avidly looking for new projects right now. We have some really, really talented designers lined up for next year, um, and we're looking for great quality projects for them to work on. So if you guys are aware of any, you can go to our website and click on the button that says Get Design, and then there is a um, form that you fill out and submit your full project, and then we'll review it and go from there. That's Daniel Weens, the founder of Journeyman International. Thanks for listening to Starting Good. You can find all of our podcasts on iTunes, SoundCloud, Stitcher, and on our website at startinggood.org. I'm Alex Gramling.